When Jesus talks about this, we build our house on a rock or we build our house on, a, on the sand, and when the storms come and the rains pour down, the sand washes away and there's nothing under the foundation and the whole house collapses. That's, that's an important part of faith. Our faith is what we build our foundations upon. Faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if we don't build it on Jesus Christ, we build it on this sand, when the, when the, when the storms of life come along, we find ourselves in a house of cards that's just collapsed. And there's nothing there to undergird us. Nothing there to hold. Nothing stabilizing in our life. And everything just falls flat. But Jesus says if we build our house on God, the living God, on Jesus Christ, it's like building a house on a rock. And when the storms of life come and the rains pour down, that the house is stable. It's undergirded. It has a solid rock beneath it. And its foundation can do its job. And the house can sway as it was designed to do. And it can weather the storms. That's important for the church. It's important for each and every one of us. This whole notion of faith is critically important because that is what undergirds each and every one of us in life. Because we're all going to face storms. The rains are going to come. The winds are going to come. The earth beneath us will quake. And if we're not standing on solid rock, if our foundation is not girded on solid rock, we will crumble. There's nothing there to hold us up. Now our story today kind of brings this, 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 this whole teaching by Jesus Christ on faith and, and faith being the rock of our life takes us into this next story we want to talk about. It's a very familiar story. It's the story of David and Goliath. Everybody heard of David and Goliath? Anyone? Very familiar story. Now, David is introduced a couple of ways in, in 1 Samuel. In chapter 16, he's introduced as Samuel is called by God to go and find a new king because Saul has been rejected. Saul has put his foundation and his house on sand and not on the living God. So God has rejected Saul. And now Samuel, the prophet, has been called by God to go to see a man named Jesse, a Bethlehemite. To go there and to visit with his sons, and from those sons that Samuel will find the next king, God's chosen, a man after God's own heart. Well, we, if you know the story, you know that Samuel kind of surveys the, the, the boys, the, the, the brothers, as they come through one by one. And Samuel's looking with, with Samuel's eyes, and, and surely, you know, this tall, strapping guy with broad shoulders, and, and a, a, just a, a man's man comes up, and, and surely Samuel's like, this is the guy, this has to be the king. He looks like a king. And God says, you're not looking with the right eyes. You, you need to see with my eyes. Pass him over. 
We go through all the brothers until we get to David. And Samuel says, are there any more? I've looked at all these. You've paraded these, these, your, your sons before me. I have not, God has not shown me the king. Is there another son you've held back? And Jesse says, well, there's the youngest. But really, he's out in the fields. He's supposed to be tending sheep. He's probably playing in the dirt. But we'll, we'll, we'll fetch him. They bring David in. And God tells Samuel, this is the one. This young boy, the youngest. This is him. And we're told that Samuel anoints him and, and tells him and tells um, Jesse that this is going to be the king of Israel. And Samuel was afraid. Very afraid. Because he knew if Saul found out about this whole escapade, Saul would have him killed. It was treason. So now later, in chapter 17, we, we, we meet David again. The Israelites were at war once again with their, with their neighbors and their, their rivals, the Philistines. The Philistines were a, a seafaring people. They had come over from the Aegean Aege, Aege Sea in that basin. They had found their way to the Levant there on Israel, and they had settled along the coastline of Israel. They had five city-states. And they had gathered up for war because the Philistines were a warring people and they wanted to take over the whole area. They warred with everybody in the area. They, they weren't afraid of anyone because they had, they had technology the others didn't have. We're, we're talking now at the end of the Bronze Age. And so most of the, most of the soldiers and the armies at that time were fighting with, with bronze weapons and bronze armor. And, but the Philistines, they were coming out of the Bronze Age and they were entering the Iron Age. They had iron weapons. They also had bronze. They had bronze um, uh, armor. They had bronze implements, but they also had iron. And not many of the other nations in the area had iron. They didn't have the, the resources to, to come up with iron. They didn't have the technology for iron. The Philistines did. That's a big thing. That's really important to understand that the enemy that the Israelites were facing were not only a warring people, they were really good at it. And they had technology. They, they were far advanced than the Israelites. And so anyway, the Philistines and the Israelites are, are having their war together and they're, they're gathered for war again. And we're told that you know, the Philistines, are, they have their battle lines and the Israelites have their battle lines. And, and then out of, out of the Philistine line comes this one warrior. He looked like a human tank. He was huge. He was impressive. He was scary. And his name was Goliath. And he comes out of the Philistine lines and he begins to taunt all of the Israelites. And he begins to say, if you'll just send out one, let us have battle together. You and I, one-on-one, one, one on one, man-to-man. And, and whoever wins will be the winner. If you defeat me, then we, our people, the Philistines, will, will be your servants. And if, if I beat you, I kill you, then the Israelites, you will be my servants, our servants. So let us have, let's not waste all these lives. Let's just have two men meet in the middle and settle it once and for all. Well, the entire Israelite army is cowered back behind their lines. They don't want any part of a one-on-one -on -one with Goliath. He is 
dressed impressively with, with bronze-plated armor. He has um, armor on his legs. He has chest plates. He has a big shield. He has an armor bearer. He has this iron spear and a bronze sword that was huge. And he, he is out there to wage war with whoever would come out. And nobody would come out. Everyone was afraid. King Saul, the man who stood neck high, taller than everybody else, was afraid and was hiding in his tent. No one wanted any part of this. Jesse sends David, young David, um, with bread and food to take to his brothers. He has the three oldest brothers are now serving Saul and his army, and they're there at the lines. And they're... They're back hiding as well. And David shows up. And he offers, he offers his brothers the, the food. And he offers them all that he, he has. And, and he begins to question, how come no one's going out there? Why don't you go out there? And they're like, why are you here? Shouldn't you be tending the sheep back home? Why are you even... You just want to watch a battle. You want to watch people die. Why are you even here? And David's like, well, he's, this guy's talking bad about us. And not only bad about us Israelites, he's talking about, he's, talk, he's taunting and talking bad about God, the one living God. He's, he's bad-mouthing God. How can we stand here and hide in the presence of that? We, we can't let anybody talk about God in such a way. We pick up with verse 38 in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Um, David has been has, has has spoken his word, his peace. People have heard him. People have questioned him. And Saul, the king, has sent for him. He said, I want to see this young man who's talking so bravely. I want to know who he is. I want to have a word with him. And David shows up at his tent. David tells Saul, I can, I'll take care of this. This guy's not going to talk bad about the living God. He's not going to talk bad about us. I'll take care of it. I, I, have, I have wrestled and defeated and killed bears and lions. This guy is nothing. I got this. So Saul, in verse 38, says, Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, David has built his house on the rock. David is this 
man after God's own heart. David is a man of faith. Faith in the one true God, the living God. And when he hears all of this stuff happening, and maybe he has heard God's call on his life to go and be the man that he has called him to be, the king of Israel, the man of faith, the man after God's own heart. So David walks up to this battle line to face this mammoth of a man. An impressive and scary figure. And he tells him, You have defied God. You've insulted us all. And it ends here. And something very important is happening here. Faith is happening. You know, I was listening to uh, Luke Timothy Johnson, who was a New Testament scholar, and uh, he was a professor at Emory for uh, a number of years. He's retired now. But I was uh, listening to one of his uh, lectures, and he, he defines faith in a very interesting way. He says that faith is the response of the whole person to the living God. Let me say that again. Faith is the response of the whole person to the living God. Faith begins with belief, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with belief. Belief is important because that's, that we have to believe in something to be real, to move forward, to engage. Faith involves trust. We have to trust what we believe. You know, there's, a, there's an old story of a a, um, a, a high wire walker. Maybe you've heard this, but um, there's a guy, he was a high wire walker, famous worldwide, and he strung his wire between two skyscrapers. And um, he was going to walk across the wire. You know, many stories high, 50, 60 stories high. And um, he asked people in the audience, do you believe I can do this? And and one guy in particular says, yeah, I believe you, I believe you can do it. And um, I says, I've seen you do this before. I've seen you uh, many times, and I've seen you know, videos of you doing this. I, I, believe you, I believe you can do it. And so the high wire walker says, well, if I want you to come and I want you to get on my shoulders, and I'm going to walk across the wire with you. Well, now, now belief turns into something else. Belief is not enough for the audience member to climb on the shoulders of the high wire walker. Now it's a matter of trust. Because trust requires taking a risk. And that's important for faith. See, faith is, 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 is moving. It's not, it's not static. Faith encourages us and invites us and, and actually demands of us to move forward beyond belief into trust and into obedient hearing. Obedient hearing. We, we, we have to be open to the living God. Our, our, our hearts and our minds and our ears, we have to be open to hearing what God is calling us to do. And then to continue to move in this idea of belief and trust. Because God is going is to call us 
And it's going to ask us to do things that we may be uncomfortable doing. David, I'm sure, was not exactly eager to run out there to face Goliath, but he had something that allowed him to take the risk. He had faith in the one true God, the living God, and on that rock he could stand. On that rock he could could take the battle line against David, or against Goliath, with his sling. A simple sling. And five stones. Against a man who was heavily armored and weaponized. Faith involves being loyal. David was loyal to his family, loyal to the Israelites, and he was first and foremost loyal to God. So when God called, David heard. And he didn't just listen to hear, he listened to hear it to obey. To become the king. To be a man after God's own heart. To face down the giant, Goliath. And to defeat the giant, Goliath. Because David understood it wasn't just David and his sling that was fighting this battle. The living God was fighting this battle. The living God that he was standing on as a rock was fighting the battle for the Israelites. For God's people. On that rock he could stand and he could... Oh, he could wind up that sling and take a risk that we just cannot fathom. He did it because of faith. Because he allowed himself and chose to respond with his whole person to the one living God. And that's what we're all called to do. Each and every one of us as individuals and as a community of faith. We are called to respond with our whole person to the call of a living God. And whenever, the God, whenever that God calls us, we're, we're invited to engage and respond. Whenever that God reveals something new that is challenging, we're, we're called to respond with our whole person to change our understanding. Because God has revealed something new. The one true God, the living God, who is the rock upon which we stand. So the question for us is, on what are we building our house? On what are we building our life? Is it sand? Is it silt or clay? Or is it rock? The rock. That's the faith we're called into. That's the faith that is a gift to us from the one living God. Our invitation is just to respond. Respond with our whole body, our whole person, our mind, our heart, our soul, our strength, every fiber of our being. Respond to God, to listen. To obey, to be loyal and to trust. When it looks dangerous, when the skies are gray and dark and the storms begin to to ramp up and face us, or when the giants walk into our midst, stand on that rock. Know that we are secure because of the one living God.
That's faith. That's what a house built on a rock looks like, and that's what David exemplifies and shows us. That's what it looks like to be a man after God's own heart, to be a man of faith. So the question remains for us, is upon what are we building our house and our life upon? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.